Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we are talking with Amir. It's Bozorok Zadeh. So he's founder and CEO of Virtual Leap. Virtual Leap uses specialized virtual reality games to help improve cognitive health. And we're here today to talk to Amir about the full release of their VR application, Enhance. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Craig. I always start with this question in my many podcasts, and that is, What's your origin story with VR? How did you get interested in this amazing tool? Yeah, um, my background is as, as a market researcher, and then that moved into mobile games publishing. And um, I've always been fascinated about uh, emerging technologies on the frontier. I, I began writing for uh, tech blogs like VentureBeat and TechCrunch about five years ago, and I was specialized in covering the VR and AR action um, and the ecosystem you know, surrounding that. And I also organized uh, a couple of global um, web VR hackathons. It's a type of special format of VR that can play on your browser, a very accessible format. And basically writing and running those events uh, allowed me to understand the market from a certain vantage point. And I found that education and healthcare are the two sectors where virtual reality as well as augmented reality really serve as critical use cases rather than nice to haves. And so... Back in 2018, um, I and my co-founder, Hossein Jalali, uh, who's also our C CTO, um, we, we got into launching virtually. Awesome. Um, are you a programmer and a coder yourself then by uh, background? Not at all. I'm actually, we have a 10 full-time staff here based in Lisbon, Portugal, and uh, I'm the only non-technical. Um, you, you know, I'm very specialized on uh, strategic partnerships, sales, marketing, um, PR, and of course, uh, a significant amount of my time for an early stage startup founder is is dedicated to uh, fundraising. Tell us a little bit more about Enhance then. So what's it like? What does it do? What's its ultimate goal? Enhance VR is, um, in, in, one, in one respect, it's actually um, the next generation of brain training apps like Lumosity or Peak or Elevate, these are screen-based apps that you can download for your smartphone or even um, even access, I think, some of their services like Lumosity on even your, your browser for your desktop. And they're essentially, uh, an enhanced VR is a game library. Um, and the best way to describe the games are they're, they're the gamification of cognitive science exercises uh, that are typically used for rehabilitation or or their games designed or inspired by cognitive science or neuroscience. So they're all short form games. Um, they're closed loop games, which means that when you play them, they're based on levels of difficulty. And so it basically serves just as much as a game as it does a scientific rubric for uh, measuring how challenging uh, a particular cognitive ability category is for you. Like some games are designed under the category of memory. Some games are categorized under the category of spatial orientation, flexibility, problem solving, um, and so be it. 
So what we are is a growing library of games. Right now we have six uh, games in our full release that just launched last week. Very exciting time for us. Uh, the UX and UI has reporting that even tells you how your quality of sleep and your moods affects um, positively, negatively, or not at all your cognitive uh, abilities. Does your memory skills get you know a little bit uh, worse if you slept a few hours less? These kind of insights are available for you in this full release. Um, and we've also released a web application um, that is designed for the purposes of, of clinics or hospitals or senior living communities or schools with education programs that they think would benefit from allowing um, K-12 or university level students to get a sense of their cognitive psycho uh, psychographic uh, landscape, so to speak, you know, because everyone is a caricature. Like, for example, myself, I'm really good at um, memory and information processing, um, that which, you know, that's the reason I talk so much uh, incessantly, <laughs> but, but, but I'm horrible with spatial orientation. And if I, my, me and my uh, wife, we travel to some city in, 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 in some town, that's like a labyrinth to me, I don't know where the heck I am. Whereas she is really high in spatial orientation skills, and she doesn't have that issue. And so when we both play um, enhanced VR games, we show and demonstrate that that uh, same quality, same characteristic um, in terms of our, our game scores. Um, yeah. How do you, when you develop the benchmarks for sort of what the entry level is for each of these exercises, whether it be some sort of memory game that you have to do in VR or whatever, how do you, who's your target sort of audience where, you know, it starts at sort of every good game, doesn't want to start out too difficult or too challenging because then people just take the headset off. But every game, every game at the same token doesn't can't be maybe too easy because then people might again take the headset off because they say this is too boring. How did you benchmark that to know this is the sweet spot for you know this particular age group and you know everyone will sort of feel that comfort zone and I think it's called the state of flow yeah. within the game and it'll get harder and harder as they go. Gosh, it's like you know that's that's uh, you're hitting you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, in terms of the chat, one of the biggest challenges for our you know we have two game designers on our team. You know, and and some part of their fundamental duty is to find that state of flow. And um, you know, depending on whether the game has any precedent, particularly in two D versions, that makes it much easier, right? Because mm -hmm. you're creating a game yep. in VR, and and the challenges in three D rendered environments. A uh, very profound one, you know. We, we call it the VR development hell in most uh, indie game studios because it's just so challenging to create, you know, simulacrums of living reality. Because your body has something called the uncanny valley whenever it detects something that shouldn't be happening in a in a in a in a three D rendered environment based on its evolutionary kind of coding, you know, of how the visual sense will kind of detect issues um, and distortions um, in the matrix, so to speak. Um, but, but when it comes to designing games that are more or less unprecedented, like, you know, what we have one game called react, we have these two paddles and it's testing your task switching skills among, uh, other, other categories as well. But you have to, you have to basically, um, tap in with your both hands, um, different objects of different shapes and colors into, um, uh, two opposing portals that indicate which objects should be thrown into them. And, you know, uh, there is no precedent necessarily of that game. And it's quite um, also a very 
um, intense game versus some of the other ones that might be a little bit more um, less uh, less sensory overload, right? Um, so there's a lot of factors at play to what is too intense in that game. How do we provide a tutorial that is effective? And then how do we move the player into the first level um, in a way that feels um, comfortable enough, but still a little bit challenging? Because every level has to challenge enough that you're in that level, but you're also a little bit uncomfortable. And that's where you plateau ultimately. And yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I know virtuosity, which is, as you already alluded to earlier on in the podcast, uh, a popular game on the iPad or on the, the flat pancake 2D screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's used a lot in uh, seniors' homes. I've volunteered back in Canada a few times in a seniors' home, and I've used it. But would you say, is it safe to say, though, that you're hoping that Enhance is a broader audience? Would you say, you know, children as well as adults would benefit from the brain training or is there a minimum age as far as children go uh, that you would suggest or recommend? I, you know, I would love for children of, you know, of even pre-teenagers to, to be able to enjoy um, these games. And certainly they would be able to, the only caveat is that, uh, VR as a as a digital format or medium, there there still hasn't been lots of research on on how it really affects us neuroscience wise in a way that um, you know children who are still in the process of forming their cognition in many ways. Um, I wouldn't necessarily promote or or encourage um, anyone to have children under thirteen at this moment using VR, at least not for extended periods of time. That said, our our sessions of our of our app are limited to 10 to 15 minutes. You know, we don't, we don't, as a company, we don't believe in long form VR. We believe in short, intense and fun experiences that actually adds value beyond what's available in, in the real world. And we're very much all about doing things in VR that enhances your life in the real world. So you can get back into it. So daily sessions of a maximum of 15 minutes is what we are designing uh, your cognitive daily workout um, to be limited to and restricted to. For that purpose, and so maybe we are um, one of those rare examples where even younger children could uh, use it and benefit it, and there is no need for caution necessarily because um, all of our games are in place. You don't move around, but you do. It is six degrees of freedom oriented, which means that uh, if you lean forward, the the, the content um, uh, adapts. The immersive content adapts to you. It's it's not like the content moves and your body's not moving, which is a real issue. Um, so. In general, I would suggest that 13 and above should be the, the current uh, guidelines of, of who should um, use our app. But in the future, we might learn much more and know what kind of VR would be okay. That said, we also um, are moving our games into augmented reality. So that's much less uh, of a concern when it comes to um, children. And, and we should have some MVPs of those types of games um, by early 2021. Awesome. I agree with you. The jury still is out, so to speak, as it pertains to what the minimum age is. And schools uh, and educators definitely should err on the side of caution if they're not sure. We are pastoral caregivers of those children and we want to sort of be as safe as possible. So that's a good comment about, you know, there isn't definitive research yet as to how young a child should be in VR. And so you're right, you might, it's best to err on the side of caution. Um, memory, as you alluded to, is one of the uh, cognitive enhancement 
games within your application. And obviously, memory is an important skill to have in schools. I know from your website that you um, have hired on uh, the U.S. memory champion, Nellis. Nelson Dellis. Yeah. How did he help you with your product? Because I found that to be fascinating. <clears throat> so Nelson is... Um was actually a funny, funny story behind that. Uh, Hossein's brother had gone on a expedition of sorts into Kilimanjaro that Nelson was organizing as a sort of charity event. Um, and so, um, uh, Nelson's actually a very avid, uh, uh, an accomplished climber, um, of Everest three times, for example. And, um, they met there and then they found he, you know, uh, Amir's, uh, Hossein's brother, uh, um, you know, had the, had the inspiration to connect us with Nelson. And then, um, about six months or so ago, we really kind of escalated that. And he's come on board very recently, actually in his, in his duty as chief memory officer. Um, and so he will be involved very closely with product development in terms of the types of games that we're rolling out because he has, as his background actually consulted for companies like Lumosity and Peak in, in previous years. Um, but more importantly than just, uh, his, his, um, expertise in, in rolling out our product strategy and vision, he, he's obviously an expert from the memory championships, uh, in the technique of, um, the memory palettes. And you can find his, uh, him in, in a documentary on Netflix called memory games. In fact, that gets into this whole crazy world that a lot of us are unaware of that's happening in these, in these memory palettes, uh, competitions. Um, but we will be, in fact, in our in, in, in later uh, updates of our app, incorporating a sort of learning hub where you will, as a user, be able to learn through interactive lessons in 3D environments um, the memory palace technique and and becoming good at it, at it as well because it is a, certainly a, a very very important um, and significant uh, memory tool um, that has a lot of benefits, and we certainly want to incorporate that into the enhanced VR, uh, ecosystem of content. And there's a lot of people playing with the idea that being that VR is so immersive, you know, embodiment is a term that people throw out or right. the sense of the sense of presence that VR gives you that it's impact on memory and memory palaces is far greater than what one could do, uh, in a 2d screen environment. So certainly, and that's the, one of the most key points um, virtual reality is the first digital format to actually be able to trigger the autonomic nervous system and the vestibular balance system and our proprioception into believing that the experience is real. So my phobia of heights is very much triggered when I'm in an experience where I'm flying above a city or, or uh, on a high precipice of some sort. No doubt about that. Um, the visual sense is like the master sense in most people and it will uh, make your body quiver um, according to the circumstance as if it was a real living reality. So that has the, the benefits of inherently triggering your body, your whole body to believe that experience is real, which inherently also simultaneously engages multiple cognitive circuits and learning systems all in parallel and synchrony. And so that's where the huge um, amazing opportunity lies with uh, its application ed in education. I agree. I just actually finished a book on that whole topic. It was called, or it is called Immersive Learning, 
a practical guide to harnessing virtual reality's superpowers. So uh, <laughs> I did quite, quite a bit of background research, not on the cognitive side of things, but you know, there, there's a place to use the tool VR in schools, but it's not for everything. Mm. And so I think, I think like any tool, uh, teachers aren't sure. And they think that it's meant to be used for every single sort of thing that you want kids to learn. And that's not necessarily the place. Um, I got to try your application when it was in beta testing on or through SideQuest on the Oculus Quest. And, and I loved it, but it, it had limited functionality as I guess the term beta testing is. Uh, and then I noticed when I did some research before this podcast that there are already additional um, training, like the pizza one. So yeah. I'm curious, in general, I'm sure there's some people out there listening to this that have tried it, the beta one that you had that was for free just to test out on SideQuest. How is the full version now different than the uh, beta version? And I've just sent you, <clears throat> I'm sorry about this. I should have uh, said this before the, the podcast, but I sent you a, a download key so you can download for free on SideQuest um, and check it out for yourself after this podcast. But um, the alpha version that we launched in October, for example, if you compare that to, I'm not sure if that's the one you played, but it could have been the one after January. Um, if you compare those two versions, it's night and day difference in terms of the quality of the experience, the games, the improved uh, game balancing, the level balancing. The version between the one you played, if it was the January beta release, and, and now this one is, again, night and day. It is um, not only um, improved in every, every way in terms of level balancing, but the UX and UI has been completely revamped. You have a whole host uh, of, of, of new reporting tools, like, like what I mentioned, that, that reporting tools that let you know how your quality of sleep affects your cognitive performance. Um, you know, the tracking uh, is all based on a game scoring system that we call the Enhanced Performance Index. And you're getting scored across all of the different seven core cognitive categories that we track. Um, and given this objective metric that you can really count on and rely on, as you progress into the future. Um, and and uh, I'm really excited for you to check it out because um, it really is uh, incomparable with the version you previously played. Um, the Pizza Builder game is, is probably one of the most fun ones uh, based on player feedback, and certainly I crave to play it the most. Um, it is, uh, it, it's one of those games in our library that takes advantage of VR in the, in the fullest way. A lot of our games sometimes will be games that don't necessarily... Um, uh, take advantage of all the you know uh, features that VR offers, and that's the reason is because um, some of those games have a pretty high cognitive load to begin with. And so, if you start to make those games also uh, spatialized and 360 or so on, um, it can be too much and too overwhelming. So, some games will invariably be uh, translations that are kind of like 2D in VR. But for games like Pizza Builder and React and also this new game called Balance, it's a vestibular balancing game where you have two plates and you're collecting balls and, and rolling them around and keeping them from falling down. Um, um, Pizza Builder is the most fun because, you know, it's very uh, intuitive in a way. You know, you, everyone knows uh, the pizza building process more or less is happening uh, behind every, you know, Pizza Hut or Domino's or whichever. Um, you know, you got the dough. And you got your ingredients and you have the process of baking it and not burning it. And then at the end, delivering it to the robot who will, you know, finish the order. And the whole purpose is 
um, you're getting all these orders coming at you at different increasingly difficult rates, and you have to make sure that you um, uh, complete that order in time, right? Without burning it and without dropping it after it's done. You know, you have a lot of those elements, and it's really, really enjoyable because it's very, very intuitive, I think. You alluded to something that I feel is so important in game design. Games might have great uh, procedural buy-in. So you mentioned that there's data that is spit out, you know, kind of like a, a, a reward or a token or a badge that you get. But excellent games also trigger an emotional response towards the player or user. And that's, in my opinion, that's what keeps people coming back is the the emotional trigger a response that you give a player when they're playing yeah you know it's a it's a tricky one with with brain training um apps because on the one hand i consider ourselves um the gym for the mind and in the same way that you go or at least i go to the gym i'm not always really enjoying the process of going there but i know it's good for me and i'm not trying to uh, lift 20 extra pounds every day and always get better and better and like, you know, become the Hulk or something. I go there to maintain certain, you know, muscular groups because I know that has a, a, a validated therapeutic and um, uh, physical health uh, benefit. And it's, it's very common sense for everyone now. And so we know what's good for us. And we try to some extent to make these things as enjoyable as pro- uh, possible with, you know, the rise of uh, experiences like studio classes and so on. But um, the main reason we do it, uh, uh, you know, typically is for our own longevity and, and current well-being. And, and in a way, the gym for the mind, for your, for your brain and for these VR brain workouts, I want them to be understood in a similar way. That's why the session is just 10 to 15 minutes. And so what happens with a game library like ours is that you will play a random set of games for your daily workout. And some of those games might not be your favorites. You know, I, you're always going to have your favorites. Um, and why are those their favorites? Because they're games that are typically um, categorized in those cognitive abilities that you're inherently good at. And so we love games that we're good at, right? That, that, that emotional appeal of being good at something is really, really hardwired into us. And the games that are um, uh, tickling us in a, in a not so happy, good way are the ones that are addressing um, cognitive abilities that we're bad at. Like, for example, I mentioned I'm horrible with spatial orientation, more or less compared to my wife. Um, I do not like playing those games because they're t- they're they're touching on my Achilles heel. And so, one of the things that, uh, that I'm trying to do is hopefully um, hopefully promote that kind of sense of the aim is to wholesomeness. And you should be as a player trying to play games that are uncomfortable for you and not that digestible. You know, we're not trying to make games that are addictive, and we're not trying to promote um, uh, the highest maximum session length or anything like that. We're completely opposite to that. So we are trying to navigate in that weird area where we do want like Mary Poppins to give you a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. But it's tricky, man, because we do, we do, we do want the games to be as enjoyable, but we also don't want that to be the aim because then we're losing our mission um, and our purpose and our vision. Speaking of purpose and vision, schools are a, a finicky thing in that there are, uh, many policy makers or decision makers out there that don't necessarily see the soft skills curriculum, like uh, building leadership, or in your case, you know, building, you know, generic memory skills or generic uh, spatial skills as important as the 
curriculum that is usually presented in front of them, like things related to, you know, World War II or um, what is a molecule? What is your advice to teachers in regards to this? You know, because that's sort of part of the buy-in for schools is to convince educators and maybe even parents that, you know, it's okay to uh, build on soft skills that may not be completely or directly aligned to curriculum. Yeah, I think I think the only way for us to be initially uh, bought into from that point of view of going into uh, an incumbent uh, system uh, with with certain you know standards and best practices and curriculums that are very well established is we're a different aspect of of PE, right? Uh, you know, the, everyone's bought into the need for a certain amount of time for physical exercise as part of the school curriculum, and we consider. Um, I think the next 10 years is all about um, us understanding more and more that uh, mental health um, is, is, is also um, benefiting from these mental, physical kind of mental, uh, mental fitness activities. Just like physical health has uh, uh, physical education and physical training has um, uh, promotes physical health. You know, that's, that's ultimately um, a, a very big topic in my mind right now, increasingly so, especially in the context of um, the current pandemic and uh, COVID-19 really showing us um, how limiting and restrictive our lives can be and how challenging that can um, make keeping our mental health um, in a certain equilibrium. Um, I think this will accelerate some of uh, the school authorities to to be more flexible and open-minded for um, uh, mental health exercises and mental health training. And that's certainly what we are in, in one respect. And it's also a, a tool for promoting um, a sense of gratification in the student themselves and being able to be at the helm in understanding um, their strengths and weaknesses and being able to, through these, these um, scientific games, so to speak, being able to improve themselves without the help of other people. It's, there's a certain type of um, uh, self-esteem that can, can correlate the, to these kind of activities. And that can very, very surely, I mean, information processing games, for example, I, I would have a very hard time believing that in the long run, that wouldn't help to promote their engagement, students' engagement in, in classes in general and in their ability to be um, enlivened um, into their own talents um, and their potentiality that can hopefully have a dramatic effect for some students, especially um, who may be withdrawn and feeling disenfranchised, as I certainly was during my school days. Yeah, you know, Andres Erickson wrote a book I recently read called Peak, and it was basically the science behind how we get better at something. And uh, I think it was uh, Malcolm Gladwell actually took a bunch of his research for one of his books. Mm. Um, and Andres Erickson talks about the idea that, you know, one of the steps along the way to get to be an expert at anything is deliberate practice with feedback afterwards. But the deliberate practice part is hard, whether you're an athlete or someone training for a memory competition. If you feel uncomfortable with people watching you, whereas VR, you know, the beauty again of the tool is that, you know, most people, once they put that VR headset, they're just worried about themselves and what they see inside VR. Right. Right. I mean, I think the whole world's changing and we're all dramatically having to, especially in these times, 
um, rethink what works for us and what doesn't and what we can do and what we can't do. And more or less, um, our energy levels and our, our, our mental sanity are, are much more sensitive to current events. And we really need to know what has an effect at, in a positive way and what can motivate us to, to do things for the sake of, you know, the ends justify the means. And if we know the ends are, are worthwhile, then, uh, you know, I think as a society, the 2020s are all about us leveraging um, technology and in a very harmonious way with our mental and physical health. Is the, the application which gives, like you said, you know, it gives data for the user so that the next time they go in, they have some sort of numbers to look at improving. Is it intentionally meant just for the individual or is it kind of meant for someone like a teacher or a coach to help them sort of make steps or strides beyond just self-improvement? The Enhanced VR app is designed for the end user, so the, 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 you know, the actual student. Um, or the teacher as well should be using it in our opinion. But um, we have this web application that allows organizations to manage and monitor the cognitive performance of their communities, their student bodies. So that's also um, very well mature. And we, we make that available to um, school bodies or uh, regulatory bodies or um, any type of organization that wants to be able to offer this, um, this type of uh, tool, uh, this application to a large number of people or students. And then, for example, the, the educational authority can be able to go into the admin panel, which we call the data dashboard, and be able to um, monitor and, and manage the cognitive performance of their, of their school body um, in a very aggregate form that has uh, really cool slicing and dicing data. Like, you know, um, uh, it integrates with uh, other types of third-party data tools like Tableau. Um, it can integrate into school system um, uh, applications of their own with our API. Um, we're integrating our tool with additional third-party biometrics like heart rate variability. If, if students are wearing their, their, um, their smartwatches, we're putting in an EEG, connecting to uh, eye tracking. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits, not to make it sound at all like a big brother thing, but it's like profound the benefits that come into play um, if, if school systems start to make this available and be able to track it because they get to have a deeper insight into who, who the individual is and what their propensities are and how their caricature of a psychographic nature is. So, you know, some students might not be doing well um, in certain information processing oriented tasks. And if they're playing our games regularly, the, the teacher has a wealth of information that is telling them how they're responding and how they may be responded to better and, and customized, uh, you know, in approach. Um, you know, I'm very much of the of the kind of thinking that some of us are tactile learners and some of us are, uh, some of us are, are visual and, and, you know, some of us are, are less and more um, potent in terms of emotional uh, uh, reactions and so on. And all of those kinds of insights are becoming uh, uh, data-centric now through um, gameplay that is designed in this type of way. Um, and I do think uh, school bodies will benefit big time. We're talking to one school authority in New York uh, City and one in uh, Dubai right now in exactly this, uh, this type of context. And schools often have um, standardized tests. They, you know, depends on the place in the district, but they often call them map tests where they're testing like reading abilities and uh, numeracy abilities. And they do these like 
two or three times a year to to see and get sort of a snapshot of some of these important reading and and number skills and kids groan and moan about the map tests i doubt no okay. i know they wouldn't they wouldn't moan and groan if they got to put on a vr headset and uh try uh your application for sure and for certain they um that's really a good point because actually in our uh upcoming release we're going to be introducing an assessment um uh module which basically it's not like the daily workout it's actually a little bit lower longer form number of games that are uh, organized in such a way that it will give you a, a more or less a cognitive assessment that you can uh, complete and then send it as an email or the or the teacher has access to it or your employer. I mean, it's a way of basically doing an IQ test, but an embodied one um, and much more refined and much more specific um, because it is volumetric. It's responding to, you know, multiple aspects of, of yourself, not just uh, intellectual only. Yes. I know you've already touched a bit on this, but maybe there are some other things that you wanted to say about what Virtual Leap has going for the future. Again, this is a pretty standard question I ask in all my interviews, and so I recognize that maybe some of the stuff is fairly secretive, but uh, anything you can tell us about what's on the uh, R&D in regards to Virtual Leap? Sure. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're developing on our roadmap is you know, we have this uh, enhanced VR brain training app of, 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 library, of, of a game of libraries, and then we have this web application that serves as more or less an admin panel for organizations like schools. But we're also developing a companion mobile app that allows even teachers um, to be able to remote control the experience for some of their students. <clears throat> so, like, you know, with respect to uh, students with learning challenges like uh, ADHD and to some extent, uh, uh, you know, the autism spectrum, um, we're, we're very much oriented to um, servicing uh, uh, and having a social impact far more than just the general population using this um, uh, for their purposes. We want to actually address uh, learning challenges and cognitive illnesses and cognitive impairments. Um, you know, one of our games, Magic Deck, is, it has been designed by the University of Cambridge, uh, led by Dr. Barbara Sahakian, and it was made initially into a game that was treating schizophrenia. You know, by, by playing this game, it's affecting and triggering the, the parts of your brain that are literally also associated with schizophrenia. And there's evidence to show that by playing and, and exercising that aspect of your brain, um, quite literally, um, it can actually uh, improve um, uh, and lessen the, the effects of schizophrenia um, in a person's life. And so there's these indirect ways that we're trying to see whether it has an effect. And we want to um, work with educational authorities um, along with institutes, institutes that are um, leaders in neuroscience and brain health and so on to see what we can do um, and address in that side of things. Um, also by incorporating machine learning into um, mining the volumetric gameplay patterns for any patterns that we can see um, indicate uh, anything that can be helpful for the healthcare practitioner as well. So, you know, we're really, our vision is really one of, um, having a social impact first and foremost. Absolutely. Amir, anything that you think was left unsaid that you would like to say to the audience in regards to, uh, your company or the application enhance? Yeah. I mean, you know, to any parents out there or school authorities, these headsets are not uncomfortable anymore. They are very comfortable. 
they are going to be more and more comfortable in coming months. The prices are dropping significantly. The, you know, the, the, the iPod, the iPod of the VR generation came out called the Oculus Quest. It has no cables now, no clunky wires. You take it out of the box, you turn it on. It has an app store ecosystem just like your smartphone. There's nothing sci-fi or crazy about it. I really, really promote um, experimentation and pilots along these fronts because there's so many content creators around the world providing educational experiences that are taking your curriculum, your experience, your students, and as well as a teacher teacher's capability to serve it, serve your, your students um, to whole unprecedented, uh, unprecedented ways. So I really do promote, um, um, you know, some risk, uh, some very minor risk taking and, and, and looking into this area um, because it, it's at our doorstep now and it, the implications are profound. Studies are coming out every, every month about the neuroscience benefits um, and, the, and the applications um, that are breaking barriers in education and healthcare alike. Bravo. Well said. I obviously you're preaching to the choir to me and I would, uh, concur everything you said. Um, let's, how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to either learn more about, uh, your company or just, you know, send you cat videos or something <laughs> like that? I would love for them to visit our, our homepage, our website at virtualeap.com, V-I-R-T-U-L-E-A-P.com. Um, you can find out a lot of information about Enhanced VR, about our web application, about our team, and our vision. And um, if you have any questions, please use the contact form. It will go straight into my inbox, and I will get back to you pronto. Listen, this has been a fantastic interview, Amir. You are so well-spoken and you know a lot about your product, which uh, speaks volumes for the efficacy of your company itself. If you can just hang on the line here after I stop the recording, we can do a, a quick debrief. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye for now.